proclamation out of Isaiah. All right, you ready? The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear is to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Great job this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm praying that when these teams get up here and they give it everything they got. And I'm waiting for us to do everything that we can in our worship toward God. It's only one way if it goes this way. But when it goes this way and then comes back, guess what happens up here? And then it all goes up. So we need to get loose. Had a little terminology when I was growing up said loose as a goose. I don't know if a goose is loose, but that's what they said. So I assume it, I assume the goose is loose in some way or shape or form, right? All right. This message this morning is one of those messages that um, gets this big, and then you have to get it. And I have to apologize to you. The last time I preached, I had that one this big, and I preached it. It just took a little longer than expected, and I appreciate y'all staying with me. But I'm going to do my best to stay within the limits uh, of your hearing and ability to be able to understand. But we're talking about um, this one here I've prayed a lot about because there's a scripture, as I've shared with you before, that always has, has kept me in check. Everybody know what it is to stay in check? To stay in check when it talked about how a teacher or a preacher is more responsible for what they say because I have more than me listening. And if I lead somebody astray, then I've done something that God would not want me to do. And many times when I get into messages that um, kind of push against what's now the norm, <laughs> uh, I have to really seek the Lord to make sure. And this morning I'm going to pray before I speak because I want this to be what God has to say, not what Larry Graham has to say. Okay? So, Father... I pray your anointing upon my lips. Lord, you said that you would fill my lips through the Holy Spirit. I receive your divine intervention into my life and into the word that goes forth today. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about renewal because that's what we're going to see this year. And I think renewal means different things to different people. Uh, my wife even mentioned a couple things to renew in, and now we're talking about that in the fasting times and this time of renewal that we're going through. And this one, this morning, my message may not seem as though it is talking about renewal, but it is because to me, when you get back to the basics of God's Word and get back to where God's Word isn't without all of the fluff and without all of the stuff that's been added to it that has taken it a part of the truth and turned it into, into, into a lie... Uh, I think that that is when we have to renew because 
I found out a long time ago it's much easier, much easier to learn than it is to unlearn. It's hard to change ways that we've done for many, many years. Many people here come from many, many different backgrounds. And if you've come from different backgrounds other than the background that I come from, and Pastor Angela comes from, and maybe others in the church, some of your belief structures, some of your belief structures are based in something that happened many, many years ago. And those things may have been taught against, but probably not taught so much against is never taught about. Okay? So it, when, you, when you don't have teachings in a certain area, then it's one of those types of things to where it's never brought up, it's never talked about because nobody wants to talk about it, or somebody's come up and said, change the doctrine into something different. So with that short introduction, this morning I would like to share with you one teaching that I feel has created a major problem in our nation, in our churches, and in us as individuals. Now I'm going to talk about those three areas, but it's all going to be about the same. And this morning I'd like to talk with you and minister to you about what happens when the fear of God is missing. What happens when the fear of God is missing? Now, let's talk about our nation, the fear of God missing in our nation. Do we see God disappearing from our country? No. No. He's not disappearing. He's going to always be here, right? But we have people who don't believe in God anymore, and we have seen big things happen around our nation today, and it's even more and more we see what? Chaos. We see hatred. We see divisions. We see unruliness. All of these things, you can add to it whatever you want to because the list is this long, right? But the thing about it is all of this stuff is going on in the, because, and why is all of this happening it's because we allowed, the Christian church allowed God to be removed from different places. He, we've actually allowed them now to be uh, uh, removed from our schools, from our government buildings. I remember as a child when I went to school, every morning we pledged allegiance to the flag. We said the Lord's Prayer, okay? And sometimes we take our flutophones and play along at the time. Anybody know what a flute phone is? Oh, they don't have those in school anymore? Nobody knows what a flute phone is? Huh? Really? They don't have a flute phone? In... What do they call it? A what? A recorder. How do you record something that I'm blowing out of? It's a little thing like this. Okay, well, a recorder. I guess they, whatever, it doesn't matter. That just shows you how old I am. Uh, but anyway, uh, all these things, but we, we took him out, we took God out of the schools and, and we, and, and then it grew. Then we took him out of the government buildings. Then we started taking the thing. And na the natural progression is if it starts in one place, it funnels down. And then it began to funnel down after we took it out. And this took generations, not necessarily generations, but decades, I'll put it that way. And decades through decades, things begin to change. And all of a sudden, we come to this point to where as we remove God, we remove prayer, we remove creationism, 
we, re- we removed the Bible clubs. And with that, we lost respect or the fear and the authority of God. From this time now, we've lost our respect because of losing our respect for God. We lost our respect for our teachers. We lost respect for our parents. We lost respect for the police. We lost respect for our neighbors. And most importantly, we lost our respect for God. Now, I'm going to use the word this morning a lot because I feel like it just keeps you, may, may keep you focused a little bit more. I'll try my best to stay away from the fear of God and use, the, use respect when, when it's necessary because when you, we have to understand what fear is, and I'll get into that just, uh, just a little bit later. But then what happened when we lost respect for all of these things, we lost respect for discipline. Discipline disappeared. When discipline disappears, then people do what they want to do. Why? Because there's no, I like to use the word punishment, but sometimes punishment has the wrong connotations because it doesn't mean what it meant when I was in school. When I was in school and got sent to the principal's office and got pops, I didn't call that discipline. That was punishment on my part, right? Because I did something wrong, I had to be Discipline for it, if you want to look at it that way, to use, a, use the new word for today. But where there is no fear of discipline or fear of punishment, there is no control. From the very beginning of time, God used visual disciplines or punishment to keep his people in line. Now you say, well, This is a different time and a different age. Yes, it is. So let's get into it. So talk about the nation. Let's move into our church. Fear of God, fear of God missing in our churches. When we look at many churches, not ours, of course, it's other churches, and we can see them, the same thing's happening because the church has been taught so much about the love of God, but left out the fear of God, and we have become unbalanced in our living life. We see the love of God being taught on every aspect. Now, does that mean the love of God is not real? No. The love of God is real. But there's also the fear of God that's in the same formula. And fear's down here, almost removed, and we live our lives totally and completely about the love of God. God loves me. We sing the song, God loves me. God knows my name. He does. He even knows the hairs of my head are numbered. I mean, he, yes, he knows me. But we talk about, but when was the last time you heard a song that tells us to, to walk in the fear of the Lord? Boy, is it quiet in here. I didn't realize how quiet it could get in the place. Okay. Uh, but it's an unbalanced in our approach of, under, of understanding God when we get this imbalance out of it. Many believe that because God loves us so much and gave His only begotten Son for us, that there is no longer, we no longer have to have respect, honor, or see the awe of God, which is the definition of fear. Okay? Before I move forward with this, I need to take a couple of scriptures that I know 
are some of you highly theological people, the first thing that popped into your mind is, there is no fear in love. Right? If it didn't pop into your mind, it just got there. Okay? And uh, so I'd like to talk about that. I can't teach on love. That's being taught on plenty. But I want to share with that scripture out of 1 John verse, chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. This fear is a tormenting fear, not a fear of awe, respect, or honor. But this is a fear, it says a tormenting fear. Now, when you look at that and you say, well, hey, I'm that which is perfect. I've been made perfect. I mean, I've been made perfect in Christ. Okay, we've all been made perfect in Christ, so therefore I don't have to fear anything. Okay, I don't have to fear anything, because that's what this scripture says. A lot of people take that scripture and will preach an entire message on that scripture, but they miss the verse before and they miss the verse afterwards. It's called pulling scriptures out of context to make them mean what you want them to mean. Okay? Now, let's back up and look at this scripture in context, okay? Now, let's go back to verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. When's the day of judgment? Long time. Well, I say long time. We're not going to be here when it happens, okay? Okay? It says, but, okay? So, on the day of judgment, because, why? Because as he is, talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. Okay? But then, then he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. The key to this is perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. How many of you love God perfectly and never do anything displeasing to him? There was one man who walked on this earth that did everything and walked in perfect love, and that was Jesus Christ. He did everything pleasing in the eyes of his God. Even though we receive that perfect love, which is the perfect love is Jesus, even though we receive that, okay, we don't get that 100% completely love that we would never do anything displeasing. How many, I'm going to ask it anyway. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands because I don't want any divorces over this, okay? But how many of you love, if you're married, love your wife more than you did when you married them? I have counseling sessions right after, no. Right? How many of you women love your husband more than you did when you got married? Okay. I'll ask you kids, younger than me, how many of you love your parents more today than you did when you were born? Love grows. And we grow in our love for God. 
And when, when we say, I have this love, I have love. I'm sorry. I love my wife. I love her more than the day that we, that we, uh, that we were married, even that we met. Sometimes I, I realize how love grows, but it does. And it's one of those things that has to grow. The same thing is true in our spiritual life. When we accept Jesus Christ, it's because he loved us and we came to him because we loved him and we wanted him in our lives. But it is a growing relationship that we have when we have an intimate relationship with the Lord. And it's one aspect that makes us do those things pleasing in his sight. And if we were able to walk as Jesus in the absolute perfect love of God, none of us would ever sin. He didn't sin. None of us would ever do anything unpleasing to God. None of us would ever do anything that wasn't acceptable in the eyes of God. When I was... In my years, back in the, I don't know when it was, 80s, 90s, there was a little thing that went around called WWJD. I don't know if it's still around or not, but anybody know what, anybody, is it still around? Yeah, why we say, okay, so it's still around, so that, that's a good thing. I don't, I'm not in the school, so I don't know, but it was, what would Jesus do? And if anything that you ever did, when you made a choice to do something, a place to go, something you're going to do, ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? If you ask yourself that question every time you got ready to do, I'm not talking about just every little point of day, but what I'm talking about, what would Jesus do? Would you say the things that you say? Would you do the things that you do, and would you think the things that you think? If we truly said, what would Jesus do? I took it a little bit further and says, people would ask me, well, is it okay for me to go whatever? I said, would you take Jesus with you? Would you take Jesus with you? Oh, no, no. Why wouldn't you take Jesus with you to do it? Because you knew who he was. You knew what he stood for and all the things that came with that, right? So when you look at this scripture and you look at it and not take the thing out of, out of context, but it says, when, but perfect love casts out fear because it involves torment. In other words, we don't want to be tormented. He says, you shouldn't be tormented about what's going to happen on the day of judgment. Because his love is going to be seen in you because the love that you have, because he died for you, when you stand before God in judgment, you don't have to fear here now or in the future about what's going to happen because you're living the life that Jesus wants you to live. And that's something that we all need to understand. So, also, if we're not to fear, what do we do with the Scripture? In Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. Paul's talking here. He said, not because I was there, but even when I wasn't there. But now, much more in my absence. In other words, you've even done the right things even though I'm absent. He says, so work out your own salvation. Everybody wants to talk about working out your own salvation I think that's okay, so yeah, I'll go do that. Yeah, I think this is, yeah, I'll say that because that's okay. And we're working out our own salvation. But everybody likes to quote that scripture, but they miss the last part of the scripture. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. A lot of people think that fear of God is an Old Testament teaching, but it's not a teaching under grace. But right here, He says, if you're going to work out your own salvation, you work out your own salvation doing what you think is right in the fear of God. In the fear of God. 
And in a, and I, I don't even teach it strongly, this trembling, you know. I, yeah, but that's what the Word of God says. So, so where does fear fit into our walk with the Lord? Well, before we can see how it fits, we must understand what fear is. Because I think that to most people sitting here today, if I were to ask you to define fear, you would define fear as fright or scared or trembling or shaking at something that's either happening or something that you don't know is going to happen. For instance, I'm sure that this hostage situation took yesterday. When that person walked in, took those hostages, I'm sure that they just looked up and said, Father, we're here. We know everything's going to be okay. Maybe they did. I hope they did. But a lot of times fear comes when things, when we're not in control. When we're not in control, fear enters and controls us. Okay? So we have to understand the fear of what God's Word is talking about when it's talking about fear. Because we only have one word for fear. A lot of times you'll hear the word used in the, in the New Testament especially, where instead of using the word fear, they'll say uh, uh, afraid. Okay? And so forth. And it's just like, for instance, when you, when you look at the, uh, fear, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but like, for instance, when, the, when, the, when Jesus was, was on the boat, the storm came, remember? Disciples came. He said, oh, where's your faith? Oh, you have little faith and all kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, he spoke to the storm. The storm did you. And it says, and the disciples were exceedingly afraid because even the wind obeys him. See, we're not there. We didn't get to see that that day. We can only read about it. But we didn't see that storm raging and Jesus standing. You try to, try to picture that on a boat that's just being tossed, waves just coming, almost taking it down. And Jesus standing. I can just see him walk up on the front. What was that, the bow of the boat? Walk right up on the bow of the boat and just stand up and say, Peace, be still. What would that do to you if you had seen that? But see, the disciples saw that and, whoa, even the wind obeys him. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. What about the fear of the Israelites when, the, when they were fleeing Egypt and all of a sudden the armies was coming up behind them. They could see the dust of all coming and there was a well, Moses, what you going to do, bud? Look back here. They're coming after us. What you going to do? You think they were afraid? In the natural, they feared. But then, Moses says, did say a word. Lord said, put your rod out. And all of a sudden, the people watching The water began to roll back, and the wind blew, and here this wet soil that was before them was dry. Moses says, come on. How would you have felt if you'd have been standing on the Red Sea, and you had seen God roll it back when Moses did what God said to do? 
What will God do for you if you put out your rod in the obedience and then the step of faith? Because all of a sudden, let's just say, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, the the waves was as high as this building on each side. Probably more than that because you've got to realize several million people had to go by there, so you've got to stack up a lot of water. But let's just for the magnitude of this. See it roll up before you, and Moses says, come on. I can see the people walking like this. We didn't see it. We don't see those things. So it's hard to us to see and to understand the power, the majesty, the brilliance, and all of those things that come with God and who God really is. And because we don't see that, because we don't see Him do those big things like that, many times it's hard for us to fear Him because we see God as a man, Jesus, walking on the earth, and He was a man just like we were a man or woman. And because we only see a little Jew boy, and all that we see talking about Jesus and His miracles and all these things, and all this, but the storm, right? we didn't get to see those things. We only get to read about them. So sometimes it's hard for us to realize who God is, what He is, how powerful He is, and all that He is withholding because of grace, all that He is withholding in Himself. He's holding every bit of wrath that He used in the Old Testament. He's withholding it because of the day of grace and His mercy so that we don't have to see the wrath of God now, but it's all waiting for future. And that's the reason the Scripture said, I'll give you peace in the love of me so that you will be firm and not worry and be afraid to stand before God. Okay? So that type of fear is what it's all about. So we must understand fear. In the Bible, the word translated fear can mean several things by the way of the context of the Scripture, okay? The context part of the Scripture. and uh, So it can mean, it can refer to terror one feels in a frightening situation. I think everybody understands that one. It's like when the children of Israel were just beginning to enter the promised land, they were preparing for battle. The Lord told them that, they had been, that He had given them the king, He had given them the king of Hezbollah in His land, Notice that this was before the battle. He had done this before the battle. That he had given them the land. Okay? So that's in Deuteronomy 2.25. This day I will begin to put the dread of fear of you upon the nations under the whole heavens. In other words, God put fear in man throughout all of the world, that known world that day, to fear the Israelites. And they did. Everybody talked about them. We're scared to death of them. Constantly trying to do treaties with them and everything else, right? So that's one type of fear. It can also mean respect. In a way, a servant fears his master and serves him faithfully. Joshua twenty four fourteen. if you want to read that, talks about it, how the Amplified says, And now, therefore, reverently fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in the truth. In the sincerity and in the truth. I don't want to read all of it. I'm just going to move along because I'm running behind Fear can also denote a reference of awe a person feels in the presence of greatness. 
That's what we've lost. And Isaiah, when he saw the vision of the Lord sitting upon the throne, he said, woe is me. I could just see him. Oh, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. So, the fear of the Lord is a combination of all of these things. When you look at the fear of the Lord, you can't take one. You have to look at it in an instance. But the fear of the Lord is that which we understand, must understand totally who God is. The fear of the Lord can be, can be simply defined this way. And this is just my little definition. The continual awareness, the continual awareness that our loving Heavenly Father is watching evaluating everything that we think, that we say, and we do. He evaluates everything that we think, we say, and we do. You can look at those in Matthew 12, 36. But I tell you this, in the day of judgment, judgment, men will have to give account for every idle word, inoperative, non-working word that they speak. That's another message I preached long before. Psalms 139, 2. You know, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. In other words, even before you think it, he knows what you're going to think. Okay? Jeremiah 12, 3. But the Lord know me. But, O oh Lord, know me. You have seen me and you have tested my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. In other words, you know what's in me. You know what's there. You know what needs to come out. Pull it out of me so that I can prepare for that day of judgment. And that's what all of our prayers should be. Lord, pull anything out of us that doesn't need to be in us. We have to realize that we have an accountability to a Father in heaven, to Jesus Christ. And many times we don't understand that we have to make account one day for what we do here. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm saved, and as long as I get in, I don't care. That attitude is not an attitude that God wants us to have because he put us here for a reason. And many times we get so, so tied up in what, God, what, what we can get materially from God, what we can get from him materially, we avoid wanting to know what can we get spiritually. Where can we grow here? Where can we grow to the point that revival becomes alive? Where? Inside of us. Revival doesn't come in the suitcase of an evangelist. Revival starts in the hearts of man. It doesn't. We are the ones. Where is the Holy Spirit? Where is He? He's in me. Where's God? In me. Where's Jesus? In me. Mike said it this morning. That's the triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, if we could live our life with those three in our lives and nothing else, we'd be great and wonderful. The only problem is there's a fourth part of the there's a fourth part in there, and it's not the Trinity. It's the quadruple now, I guess. Is that four? Is that what it is? It's the quadruple because we still live there. We still have us and what we want to do. We got three wanting us to do one way, and we got us wanting to do another way. And guess who wins a lot of the time? We do. Because we choose to do what we want to do and not what God wants us to do. And that's when we go against what the Spirit of God is. And why do we do that? We do that because we love God so much that we would never do anything to displease Him. So that's the reason we displease Him. 
That's the reason why love alone does not keep us in line. It's when I recognize, and I talked to you a message not long ago about the, 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 the limitlessness of God and showed you how the universe and how big it was and how big God is. You know, we've lost sight of God. We've lost God of who He is and what He is and how powerful He is. And because we've lost that, our ways of walking with God have been lost along the way. But we can regain that back and we can come into and understand that we must fear God reverently, awesome Him, and recognize who He is and what He can do in and through us every day. And that's what changes us and that's what changes lives. Revelation chapter 1 and 2 says, Jesus tells seven of the churches, all seven of them, I know your works. He knows our life. He knows what we do every day. Nothing escapes God. Not a thought, a precept, nothing accepts Him. So with the church not having been taught about the fear of God, it has affected all of us. And I'll put mine in the same mix as you. I'm no different than you. I walk every day just like you do. I'm not standing up here as an authority of how you walk and everything else. Please don't ever put your trust in me. Put your trust in the one I serve. If you look for me to fail, you'll find a failure at some point in my life, right? But if you look at God, you'll never see one who fails. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He'll always walk a perfect life before you. Mama, Daddy may not always walk a perfect life before you. You may not ever walk a perfect life. I know you won't because none of us can. But we must always seek to walk the best way that we can. And to make our lives pleasing in the eyes of God. So, what happens when fear is missing from us as individuals? I'm going to see if I can tell a quick story here. I'm going to try to tell this quick. As a young boy, I've told you all before, I was very blessed. I grew up in a Christian home. Many of you did not. I grew up in a Christian home from the time I was five days old. I went to church. When the church doors was open, I was there. My mother and my father were there. There was times that my mother would come from work and go straight to church because she didn't get off in time to go home and change clothes. We went to church. I was taught to go to church. Okay? Now, going to church, if I know, I, I had this belief that was built inside of me that if I wasn't pleasing God, I was doing something wrong. Now, that's a heavy burden to carry. I'll tell you, it is. But one thing is, I don't know if I was ever taught fear. <laughs> I don't know if I was ever taught the fear of God, but I feared Him. And as a young boy, every Sunday, the preacher, back in those days, you probably heard this term, they preached hellfire and brimstone. The message was all, the message was, was, was the people in the church would value the message by how warm they got. And how close to the fire they were. They determined if the closer they got to the fire, the more anointed it was. Now, I don't know that that was true. But that's what they believed. And so, that's when they used to preach hell, fire, and brimstone. They were casting, well, if you don't do this, you'll go to hell. If you don't do this, you'll go to hell. <laughs> if you've done anything this week that's wrong, you need to come up here and repent. 
I was repenting every Sunday. (laughs) Was it right? Was it wrong? I had a fear of God. Because I knew one thing. With one word, he could speak me out of existence. In one word. Gone. Gone. John's not here. Where'd Jonathan go? I don't know. He was there sitting on that pew. Right there next to his lovely wife. They were just sitting there enjoying it. And all of a sudden, whoop, he was gone. I knew that. You said, well, that's kind of a fearful thing to be. The Bible talks about beware of a, don't make God mad. Don't let your hands fall into the hands of a theory. God. So, I didn't know if I grew up with fear, but in essence, I guess I did. I recognized his power. Being raised in the church, I didn't learn it overnight. And it's important to realize that when I grew up in the church, I got fed the Word of God. A little bit at a time, over a long period of time. But many people today, when they accept the Lord, they think that they got to get it all at one time. It doesn't happen that way. It's our growth that we grow. But still, we all have to learn it a little bit at a time. And every one of us here today has more Different levels of this, if this is the word, have more different levels of it in our lives so we're not in the same place. Not everyone in this auditorium this morning is at the same place in their spiritual walk, in their spiritual condition with the Lord. Not, it, would be, it would be mathematically impossible. Why? Because none of us is set under the total teaching. And like, for instance, Pastor Goodluck taught, and he taught his wife. They, they shared even before they got married, Right? Toju here, Omar here, they grew up. They got taught by their father. Do you know everything your father knew? You were even with him longer. Do you know everything that man knew? No. Even the three of you who live with a man who, who all of us, who has taught all of us, they are not at the same place in their understanding of God's Word that he was. I'm not at the same place that he was. You aren't. We all aren't because we're all coming from different places. Okay? So, when you take a new Christian, it's like taking a baby and dropping him into an adult world with no instruction. That's the reason... Living for God, especially in the beginning, is so tough. And that's the reason God has to hold you close and take care of you like a baby. Why? Because you haven't been nurtured in the Word of God. You haven't understood what He is. You haven't understood everything. Sometimes you hear somebody say something, teaching or whatever, you say, I never knew that. That's good. That just means you learned something today. All right? So we do, but the fact is, we know we have fact that we have. To, he has to nurture us and guide us, and raise us, 
And that's the reason why a lot of things that happened in your, when you were first, how many of you when you were first saved seemed like everything went around you was great and was wonderful, but then all of a sudden over a period of time it just started getting tougher. Did any of you ever have a problem with that? You ever wondered why? Why does it get tougher the longer you live for God? Because the longer you live for God, the more he expects. If you've been living for God for 50 years, he expects more out of a 50-year Christian than he does out of a two-month-old Christian. That two-month-old Christian is going to make a lot more mistakes than that 50-year-old Christian, or at least it should be that way, right? Sometimes I wonder, but <laughs> y'all still got to love me. All right. So, but the thing about it is we have to understand all of this, right? I've got to move on. I've got to move on. i got 20 more pages. No, I don't. I had a daddy. All of you have a daddy. May know, may not know. He loved me. There's no question about it. But he didn't give me everything I wanted. He didn't let me do everything I wanted to do. He did feed me, clothe me, sacrifice for me. And all of these things were good for me. But he disciplined, he disciplined me when I was wrong. And my fear of discipline had a great impact upon my life. What I knew he could do caused me to curtail my actions, especially around him. But I lived in a tribe called every mother, grandmother, grandfather in the church. And even though I might be outside the doors of the church, outside of the eyes of my father, outside of the eyes of my mother, I was never out of the eyes of the rest of the church. No matter what I did, before I got home, my mother and my father knew about it. And then came discipline. Some discipline was light because it wasn't a, as big a deal. Some things were big. I remember when I started dating and got a car, I had to be home at 10 o'clock. That's two hours before every girl in town had to be home. Did I put up two or three? Okay. Two hours. I do it like this. Y'all understand this. Two hours before every girl in town. And I would stretch that thing to 10.05. I'd stretch that thing to 10.10. Then I'd get it to 10.15. And one day I stretched it all the way to 10.30. And I come in the house. I, mm-hmm, I open the front door and I come in the house. First person I see is my daddy. He said, I looked at his hand. I said, what? <laughs> Keys, please. <laughs> Keys, please. They're mine for two weeks. Tomorrow you will be riding the yellow banana to school. <laughs> I had two weeks of riding the yellow banana. No dating. No time out. 
He didn't hit me on my behind. He took away something I wanted. You ever thought what he would do if you took one of these away from you for two weeks? What would happen if you disciplined your child because they did something really, really wrong and you held your hand out and said, Phone, please. You might as well have taken them and roasted them over a... a, over a <laughs> right? But do we do it? Sometimes people say, well, you got to spank them every time. Not every time. There might be an occasion when they're young to do that. Okay? But I, don't, I, I can't see whipping somebody 14 years old, but I can see other ways of discipline. But anyway, I respected my father. I respected that discipline. When we fear God, we, re, we have to understand, we have to understand to, to fear, okay, to fear the discipline that God does when we disobey. Because we only, we're the person who does everything, not God. Satan doesn't do it. He just offers it. He offers it. God says, don't do it. And you choose to do it. So which ones you listen to? Now we come, God, get me out of this. I know I did it. Forgive me, Lord, for it. He's okay. That's fine. But when you sin, it brings consequences. God forgives the sin, but the consequences still may be there. That's the part we forget. We get into situations that we get ourselves into because we don't fear what God is in our life. We've lost that all. We've lost that fear of God. And because we don't have that, then we do things that we shouldn't do. So in order to, de- to develop a fear of the Lord, we must recognize that for God for who He is. We must get a glimpse in our spirit because we don't have that physical anymore to be able to see the magnitude of God. But in our spirit, we must get a glimpse of the power, the might, the beauty, and the brilliance of God Almighty. We must have a continual, a continual awareness of Him present with us all of the time. In a deep, deep reverence for Him and a sincere commitment to obey Him. Obedience better than what? Oh, I sacrificed so much. He just wants us to be obedient. If we love Him, we obey Him out of love. If our love is not strong enough to Him to keep us from doing those things pleasing to God, it must be the fear of God that keeps us in line of who He is and what He is and what He has the ability to do in our lives. If we lose one or the other, we get out of balance. You say, can you fear God too much? Of course you can. You wouldn't even live your life. So you can't have so much fear that you don't even exist. But you can't have so little fear and so much love that you forget because you don't have enough of love to keep you straight. I love my father, but I still disobeyed. And I got away with it sometimes. I learned the less I did in front of people in the church, the easier it was going to be. And then I realized how much respect my father had in the community.
God sees everything we do every day. Do we, if, if, ask yourself this question. At the end of the day, when you look back at your day, and you're ready to pray before you go to bed at night, and you realize you have to repent, do you think God has been pleased with the day that you just lived before him? You say, oh, that's, tough. that's heavy. That's heavy. Well, we just have to get to the point. I'm going to close with this because I've got to close. I promise. Too many people want to tame God into a non-threatening God who fits into their lifestyle. But if we redefine the Lord as a God that makes us comfortable, a permissive buddy who exists simply to bless us and to give us what we want, we will not fear him in the way that he deserves. The Lord God Almighty is far greater than that, and the fear of the Lord begins when we see him in his majesty and in his power. Matthew 10, 38, Jesus said this, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and the body in hell. Some of the mainline new gospel-like churches like to take this verse and think that rather fear him who is able to destroy both the body and the in hell is talking about Satan. Can't be talking about Satan because it said him capitalized. When you go back and look at it, you see what the word is. The word is God. And God says here, fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body. Now this is not Paul talking. It's not Peter talking. It's Jesus Christ himself. Salvation is received with the acceptance of Jesus into our lives. Everybody knows that. But then comes the walk with God through this new life. We need to open up our eyes and recognize who God is and realize and stay aware that every day God is watching us. Where is God during the day? Does anybody know? Where's Jesus during the day? Where's Jesus when you go to school? When you guys go, when you teenagers go, when you go to school, where's God? Where's Jesus? He may be out there if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But if you know Jesus, I can tell you exactly where he is. He's right here. God's right here. You get the Holy Spirit, guess where the Holy Spirit is? Right here. It's already three against one, so that's a good that's a good sign. Three against one. If you don't understand that, you haven't been coming here long enough. Okay? Three against one. So there's a good chance you're gonna do right things as long as you listen to the three. Because what they tell you, all three of them are gonna agree. There's only one person that can disagree with them, and that's me. If I choose to agree with them and I understand their power, their love, 
their mercy and their grace. Because they're good. They know I'm going to mess up. I understand that. But the more I reverence them, the more I look at them in awe and begin to look at God with a different set of eyes, the stronger my relationship comes in with Him, but also the closer my life becomes to living like Him. Okay? That's what fear is to do in our life, not to get us all disturbed. But we must have the balance of the fear of God and the love of God. Just don't lose your balance. We must have a balanced life of the love, the great love of God and a fear of God, breaking us into a balanced life, doing what God wants us to do for Him. Amen? Amen. God. Father, I just love you. I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I know that there are some that have maybe even invited you into their lives at some point in their life. But they've never heard a message today about doing those things pleasing in your sight all the time. Well, God, I just hope that they receive it, Lord, today and understand it. I don't want people walking around trembling and that God's going to shug them down. That's not what I said. But God, let us learn to do those things pleasing in your sight. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you're not sure that if Jesus Christ was to come today, that you would be able to go with him in heaven. You're just not sure. Because we need to be sure. And I want to give you that opportunity. If you're not sure... Would you just slip your hand up and say, Brother Graham, I just need you to pray for me, Pastor. Just pray for me. Is there one here this morning? I'm glad that everybody knows the Lord this morning. But I'll ask the same to you out here who are hearing this, wherever you hear it on YouTube, wherever you hear it in the world. Make a commitment and understand that your life has to be balanced before God. And God will bless you. Accept Him today as your Lord and Savior, and your life will be changed forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand with me as we're dismissed in prayer? Praise the Lord. Good to have everybody. See you again. Oh, by the way, don't forget our uh, Zoom call. We had a great Zoom call the other night. Man, I'll tell you what, I thought Sister Angela was going to preach. She did preach. <laughs> Boy, she was anointed. Felt the anointing. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how you can feel the anointing watching a video, watching somebody on a Zoom call. You know, you're sitting in your house. Some of them are driving down the road. I could just see those ones. I could just see Josh driving down the road. Yeah, praise God. <laughs> Lead me, Lord. Guide me. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. But join us in those calls. Have a wonderful time. May the Lord, Father, go with us to our home. Keep a hedge of safety around us that no danger or harm should come to us. Be with us, I pray, in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, have a couple of prayer team uh, members up here to come. If you need prayer, God bless you as you come. If you just need to talk, let us come up here and talk with you, okay? God bless you as you go.